Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game hour number two here on a Titans Monday. The Titans defeat the Chargers 23-20. to We'll get back to your calls, your reaction coming up in a couple of minutes. But as always, in the 7 o'clock hour here on a Monday, we welcome in our pal Corey Curtis from News 2 who joins us here on the show. Corey, good win yesterday. Your biggest takeaway from yesterday's performance was what? Well, first off, I've never seen a win like that that's one of the weirdest finishes i've ever seen but you know it just it goes back to you know last week talked about blocking you know you give the quarterback time you run the football you cut out negative plays and and good things can happen you know ryan Tannehill played like a pro and his line played like a pro in front of him and you know we, we it was it was similar to what we saw against the falcons and they made plays down the field and it's just you know, it's it's boring to say that it all goes together, but it all goes together. And, you know, when, when one piece works, it allows the other pieces to work. Um, now we have to see if that one piece can work two weeks in a row. Now, yeah, absolutely right. I think it's, it's all about consistency moving here, moving forward, because this division, um, it seems like Indianapolis is, is, is on a roll now, and you can't fall too far behind. Uh, what they're doing. So the big thing for them is consistency. Now, stand on Tannehill. I mean, I just it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. It's with with him at underneath center. It just seems like the offense, regardless of what's happening up front, and they did a great job up front yesterday at blocking. But even when they did the same thing with Marcus, it didn't look this crisp. You had your two starting receivers both catch six passes. Um, you know, you had to tight end catch a lot of passes. It just seems like this offense from a passing standpoint, it's a lot sharper. And I understand, yes, the offensive line blocked well, but even when they blocked well when Marcus was underneath center this season, it didn't look like this. Well, he was very accurate and sharp with the football. I think that that is, that is safe to say. Um, and, you know, I, I knew they were going to push the ball – down the field. You know, one of the things I joke with Arthur Smith talking with him in the hall after the game, that I was really glad not to see, you know, seven screen passes in the first half. I mean, I, I feel like I've been drowning in screens and flanker, you know, whatever you call that, where he just drops off the line a yard and they throw him the football. We didn't see that. They pushed the ball down the field. He threw into small windows and his receivers fought and made him plays. And I think, you know, We've all seen in the past that when you get Corey Davis involved early, it makes a difference. They got him involved early. They got everybody involved early. But he, he pushed the ball down the field, and that had something to do with the success, I think, of the offensive line and the run game um, as well. Um, but his, I think his accuracy did too. I mean, he had, a, he had a ridiculous throw to Corey Davis on a third and two in the second half um, where he split two defenders, and that window was probably the size of a, of a, of a toaster. Um, and so, so his accuracy, I think, had a lot to do with, with how it was able to move and, and how his receivers were able to make plays on, on some tight throws for him. Didn't exactly get Delaney Walker into the game uh, early yesterday, only five snaps. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But Mike Vrabel, uh, Corey, I, I think you, you look at his decision-making, you could have viewed him as one of the best coaches in the division last year, overcoming so much adversity and still putting his team in a position to make the playoffs in Week 17 um, you know, most of us thought he did as good a job as he could have done last year. This year, it's there's a dumb, like sort of a dumbfounded, 
you know, I'm completely dumbfounded by a major decision by him again yesterday not to challenge. It se- it seems like there's been some black and white decisions that that are pretty obvious to the entire universe, and he's sort of going the other direction on it. W- what do you make of that again? And how concerned are you about the head coach? Because if they if if they don't get spectacular three spectacularly lucky plays at the end of that game, we're talking about a loss right now, and probably talking a lot more about Mike Vrabel. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, and. I'm just going to tell you, I'm surprised both those touchdowns got overturned. I don't think either of them was clear and obvious to overturn them, um, but they went their way, and, and good for them. It, you know, I, I you're talking about challenging the quarterback sneak spot. Um, yes. I I did not see him push over the line. Uh, you know, I, he turned his back. Maybe he got over, but I didn't see anything clear and obvious where it would have overturned it. To but he, he didn't go. But he didn't people. go backwards, though, Corey. Like he didn't go no, backwards. He, no, he did. It, it was a bad spot, but I didn't see anything on the replay that told me that he went across the line. I saw his back go to the line, but the ball was was on the other side. But beyond that, you can't go for that. You can't. You got to pump the football. If you don't give it, get it. You give it to him the fifty yard line. You're only up by three points, and that's exactly what happened. You've got a great defense. If you trust your defense to win the game, you punt the football. Now he's, you know, terrified of Philip Rivers. Last year he went for two because he was terrified of Philip Rivers, and he didn't want to punt the ball this time because he was terrified of Philip Rivers. You know your punter is a weapon. You know your defense can play well. I think you've got to trust him to win the game for you. Uh, at that point, um, to me, you know it's. It's another very questionable fourth down um, to me. Like I said, I know other people are like, go for it. But for me, I am punting that football nine, nine out of nine times um, unless, my, unless I know my offensive line can get a push. And I don't know that about that group at this point. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like every fourth down is, a, is an adventure. And I and I feel like I'm always on the other side of them. <laughs> Corey, did it look to you like Jeffrey Simmons played like he was basically a top five draft pick yesterday? Because that guy looks like an absolute monster, and I'd hate to see what he's capable of doing once he actually gets into pro shape. Well, yes, uh, you know we need to see it more than one game because that's a banged up Charger offensive line. Um, but it doesn't matter; he's still playing against NFL players, and. It, the comeback is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, this guy tore his ACL in February. You know, we're, we're talking eight months, eight months, and then he practices for one week. I was astounded that they activated him on Saturday and decided he was ready to go. And then I thought, you know, maybe play 10 snaps. What, he play 25 snaps? Mm-hmm. And he blows up twenty-one the, the game-winning 21 snaps, and he blows up the game-winning fumble? I mean, you know, he blows up that play and causes Melvin Gordon to redirect and, and Wesley Woodyard to make the play. I mean, I think the stat I heard is he already has more sacks and tackles for loss than Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, and Christian Wilkins combined. <laughs> He's a beast, no doubt about it. Corey Curtis News, too. We always appreciate the time and the insight. We'll talk to you again very soon. All right. Game-saving victory, or not game-saving, season-saving victory. There you go. They still got to they still got to win seven out of nine to make the playoffs. And that's going to be that's, tough. Yeah, going to be tough. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. We appreciate it. All right, later, guys. You got it, Corey Curtis. News too. Yeah, I mean, season extended at least. Yeah, I like the way you phrased it earlier. Yep. It, it extended the season for them because if they lose that game, man, they're out of it. Isn't it week um, to week though? Right. Like, yeah, but it, the way Indy's playing, I don't think. It, it, 
the two best teams are Indian Houston right now in this division. That was a that was an interesting um, game. Yesterday. And it was yeah, real interesting game. And if you fall behind, if you lose that game to the Chargers, essentially you've the Chargers are one up on you in a wild card situation because they've beaten you. You're two or two games down. Well, you're already two games down in the division, but then you're three games down in the division um, because of that loss. You are one in what one in five or one in six now against the AFC. If if they would have lost that game, it would have been short of a. They would have had to really no losses from here on out. Had they lost yesterday, they would have had to go perfect um, from here on out to 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 make the playoffs. And I just don't think that would be the case. All right, up next is Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they come to town. Next Sunday for a noon kick here at, uh, at Nissan Stadium. So the Titans had a great goal line stand Sunday afternoon, but there was a goal line issue Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. We'll go from the Titans to the Vols next on Morning Drive. Tennessee Volunteers head coach Jeremy Pruitt making no bones about it. He was pissed off Saturday night, and I don't blame him. And I look, I'm an Alabama fan, and I, I don't hate Tennessee because I've always been fond of Tennessee and respected the program. I think Rocky Top's the greatest fight song of all time. And I, I mean that. Like, all my vitriol as an Alabama fan is geared towards the University of Auburn. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I was genuinely ticked off watching that game with what transpired on that goal line situation. I mean, the reality was, boys, Jarek Arantino was supposed to run some play not named a quarterback sneak. And he decided to, which I think is the, the more risky of the two quarterback sneaks, to go up and over mm-hmm. and potentially lose the football as opposed to doing the Tom Brady and just plowing through your center's backside. And J- J- Jeremy Pruitt pulls him off the field as he's coming over. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the index finger and maybe a grazing of the thumb. It was a slight <laughs> tug. And people lost their mind just, on Twitter I mean, Saturday night. Because you can't, you, you can't do it. Pat Forty of Yahoo. Well, yeah. Pat Forty of Yahoo tweets out uh, 25, 30 years ago, yeah, you could get it. Like, dude, let, let's, we let's, are let's so to, soft let's, as a society. No, you're anymore. right. I'm not saying you're oh, not it's right. Just no, so no. nauseating. Let's move. You, can, let's, can we save the, the the face mask grab and for for just a second? Because I want to get into that. But uh, no, not really. Because um, no. let's, let's get to what Garantano did first <laughs> no, and, I mean, set, and it, set the scene. There's seven minutes to go in the game. He defied his coaching staff. This is yeah. there's seven and a half minutes to go in the game. It's 28-13. If they score a touchdown, yeah, it, it is a one score game on the road against Alabama without Tua Tungavailoa. And it would be considered Jeremy Pruitt's maybe best moment as a head coach. 100%. Currently, if he can get that in, if they can get that into the end zone. They run four plays and they can't get into the end zone, which, again, is, is sort of ironic because what do we always do? We always complain about teams not just lining up and running the football on the goal line. Well, they did it and it didn't work. But here's the quotes from, from his center, Brandon Kennedy, who's the guy who snaps the football. I don't know if you know what a center is in, in football. But that's the guy who snaps the ball to the quarterback, has to know what's going on. Quote from Brandon Kennedy on what happened. I'm not sure when we left the huddle we had a play called, and then it changed at the line, and I'm not sure what happened. Trey Smith on the miscommunication. It's hard, What happened? It's hard, quote, it's hard to tell. I was pulling away from the play. Was it a handoff? I'm not sure. I don't want to give away our calls. Clearly, a quarterback sneak was not called. And clearly, Jarek Garantano just decided to go on his own over the top, which, to your point, Nick, is the 
the the worst of the two strategies from a from a you know a quarterback sneak standpoint. Yeah. So that's what happens. So as he's coming off the field, Jeremy Pruitt's pointing at him and yelling, and he's as he says in the interview, pissed off. He should have been. And he and he ba- ba- like Jimbo Fisher's face mask grab last year was ten times worse. Correct. Ten times worse. This was a half of a second jerk of the face mask. Now I don't like it, but I also don't care. So that gets us to the point where we can discuss the face mask. Do you like the my my bigger question is what what are you doing, Garantano? Yeah. Like, what what are you doing if the if the play was he should uh, short of Mauer being hurt and, and even with the other kid Shrouder or how do you say J- his? JT Shroud Shroud. Jared Garantano should not play another snap the rest of this year. Why does no one else on your offense know what you're about to run? He basically ad-libbed and said, you know what, I'm going to take it into my own hands, and then I'm going to expose the ball at the goal line. Down 14, would have been a seven-point game. Trayvon Diggs runs it back 108 yards, and, and it's game, a 21-point game. game. Game's over. And the game's over. Yeah. And then people got to lose their mind on Twitter about you know Jeremy Pruitt over you know of slightly tugging the face mask. I don't want to hear anymore, oh, these are kids. This is the SEC. This is big boy football. This isn't Pop Warner. If Jerry Pruitt did that to a nine-year-old, I'd have an issue. Jarek Garantano is, what, 20 years old? Probably older than that. 21. He was, supposed to be, he was supposed to be a strength of this team. Good. He's been nothing but a liability. And he decides to say, you know what? I'm going to play backyard football. And I'm going to, you know, damn Jim Chaney, damn Pruitt. I'm just going to go up and over. And I'm going to cost my team a chance to compete in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Thanks Derek, a lot, JG. Derek, could you imagine Jeremy Pruitt, like, like Peyton Manning style, one of those Saturday Night Live skits, where Jeremy Pruitt's just like yelling at nine-year-olds? Just, that, just screaming and yanking face masks. And, and, and Pruitt was jacked the whole game. You could tell that that game meant the well, world to him yeah, on Saturday night. I mean, he knew he wasn't going to win the game, but I mean. <laughs> but he had his program in they, a spot. They had an opportunity to make it a one-score game. Uh, and we know why. Tua wasn't playing. Um, <laughs> Minor so, detail. Exactly. So they had to change their offense somewhat um, because Tua wasn't in the game. But, hey, that's not, that's not Pruitt's fault. Well, no. I guess it is his fault because he. He, the guys, his guys tackled him, and he twisted his ankle. So, so kind of, sort of, kind of so his fault, but it's not. Well, he holds but, on um, to the ball too long. So you have a yeah. problem with the face man? I, you know, I, I really don't have a problem, but like you know, we say this all the time. You got as much as I think we are wimpified, and that's not a word, but I'm gonna make it a word. Wimpified, w- wussified, yeah, wussified, wimpified. It's the wussification of America. Yeah, there you it's go. it's got to stop. We've we've you know we've put these young kids in such in the position where you know you can't say anything to them because if you do, they start crying or they go run a tail, and it's just like. And I'm saying saying something minor. I'm not talking about. I'm not saying something big where yeah they should go tail um, because adults shouldn't be doing that. I'm saying something like the face mask. Or, you know, just saying something on the practice field to a guy. Um, I think nowadays you just can't. You got to know what the, the climate that we're in. And, and again, well, how about I, don't the, see, I don't see anything. I don't see anything wrong with Jeremy Pruitt with what he did. How about the climate of the game? It's the third Saturday in October. Tennessee's much closer than anticipated in a ball game of heated magnitude. And his quarterback defied what was called. And you know, okay, he he gave him a little. It's not like he jerked it five no, times right. like Jimbo Fisher. I just, I you listen, Nick. You are absolutely right. Well, you're an old school guy. Exactly. You, I don't. You should see, be with me here. I don't, no, I am with you. I am with you. I don't see anything wrong with it, but but you, you understand the reaction. Yeah, I understand right. the reaction. Right. It's the climate that we're in, though. 
even the old school people, they feel they got to say something because if they don't, they're validating what, what um, Coach Pruitt did. So they, like, we watch people on television a lot and, and when, you know, watching sports shows. And they say one thing, and I've been around guys. They say one thing, but then they, they say the opposite off air. It's like, are you just saying it because that's what everybody else is saying or you think that's what's supposed to be said because of the world we live in now? Or do you really believe it? And I think a lot of them just say it just to be said it because they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, the Twitter world to get on them and make them see, seem bad. Again, there's, I don't see anything wrong with that, with what he did, but. You know there are going to be a lot of people on Twitter going after Jeremy Pruitt. And he's going to have to come out and apologize today in his press conference because the AD probably got on him. The president got on him. You know, Twitter world got on him. So now, exactly. Now he's going to have to come back and apologize when he probably really don't because he's like, listen, these are my kids. I know what I'm doing. You know, the, I, I've been coaching these guys yeah. for the last two years. I know how to coach them. And, and first of all, this, that's why you listen to this show is because we may be wrong all the time. But, exactly. we, but we are authentically wrong. Absolutely. We, we, <laughs> we, we tell you exactly what we think. It doesn't mean we're right, ever. But we say it with conviction. But we, but we say exactly what we mean, and we're not saying what we think is what you want to hear you know, or, or some fabricated argument about whatever. When we yell at each other, we're actually yelling at each other. Like Nick and I on Twitter yesterday. Go, go exactly. read it. It was highly entertaining. Um, but I, I also, you know, what's interesting is the things that you guys are talking about. I feel like those were going through Pruitt's head in the moment because I feel like he mm-hmm. reaches up for the face mask and wants to rip off Jared Garantano's head. Oh, yep. probably so. Yeah. And it looks like he re- restrains himself. To be honest with you, it, it honestly looks like in the moment I was watching it happen and it looks like he wants to jerk him all the way to the ground, <laughs> but he like, let's go. And pull him. <laughs> right, and then drag him to the sideline and then like tie him up to the bench and, and say you're never like going Like you're to... never playing again. But, but, am I, but are, do you guys see what I'm saying? Like I, it felt like in the moment he even knew there was going to be backlash, and so he like stops himself in the middle of the, gra- mm-hmm. the face mask grab and kind of just like, it's just like a little, uh, you know. Uh, 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 Moment of growth for Pruitt? Like he almost, you could almost see him going, oh, I probably shouldn't do this as, a, as he's grabbing the mm-hmm. face mask. And, and then, then he just yells And then him. he stops. And so he was clearly furious. And if He had every right to be. And if you're quarterback in a one-score game on the road against number one Alabama, the arch rival that you haven't beaten in more than a decade, you're a coach that has a program that no one really knows if you're growing or developing or not. And you've got a chance to cut it to one score with seven minutes to go. All you need then is one stop to get the ball back down one score on the road against Alabama. And mm-hmm. so I understand the anger if a quarterback completely makes up a play, tries to dive over the top, and ends the game for you. I get the frustration. And, and like you said, Derek, I don't really have a problem with a a little bit of anger towards 21, 22-year-old kids. You know, like... I don't think I think what Jimbo Fisher did was a little much because once you grab it and start yanking it around and pushing it, pulling like then you're starting to uh-huh. you might hurt him. You might hurt the guy. And, and and listen, necks and head injuries, we get it. It's just not a good look because mm-hmm. it's going to be blown up on Twitter. But you, could, I think you could tell that Pruitt in the moment realized, oh, this isn't going to come off well. I need to be like it's like he started it and then he was like, oh, oh crap, I gotta I gotta stop. And 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 I think he actually stopped himself. And showed restraint in the moment. So yeah. um, I, I'm with you guys. I don't think that the face mask thing is that big of a deal. Uh, I find it fascinating that Jared Garantano did what he did. I, I just find that fascinating. Like, did he think he did? Did he see? I want to know what did he see? Did he see mm-hmm. something that he thought 
Does he have autonomy to like, change an ad lib like does that? He, clearly, Pruitt doesn't think so, I right. guess, right? Like, based on his reaction. Uh, I mean, listen, give Tennessee credit for fighting the way they did to be in that situation. Now the score, you know, was one-sided, and Tua left with what looked like a really gnarly ankle injury at the end of the second quarter. Yeah, whoa, it's, it's just... One to two weeks, maybe more. I, I'd be surprised if that's not, like, just like last year, I would not be surprised if the injury to Tua is something that affects him the rest of the year. Uh, that that to me was one of the biggest developments of the college football weekend is against LSU if you can't plant if you can't run if you can't escape against Clemson against Georgia against Auburn when you have to play all these elite level teams not Tennessee it, it, you're gonna there's I just don't think that 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 looks so gnarly there's no way that's not going to affect him down the, he may play and he may win and he may be successful but. There's no way that's not going to affect Yeah, they're, they're, they're calling it basically a repeat of what he had last year, just different like this time around. Mm-hmm. I guess he had some sort of quick procedure. Arkansas this week, he'll sit out. They should be able to roll anyway. Mm-hmm. Then they have the bye week, and then they get LSU. That, that could put a damper on the whole game. Think about that. Because, hey, like, Bama LSU this year. <laughs> I don't no, I don't care either. Bama LSU this year is going to be like. A complete 360 or 180 from the 2011 game. From 9-6, yes. this yeah. game should end up being 45-42. And now one of the two main main cogs could be at like 75%. Well, it's still a good, it still should be a good show be if, if, he, if he can play. Um, it, it does, like I said, what, what happened to him last year? He got hurt. He started getting banged up around, you know, the turn of the calendar to November. The LSU game, the Mississippi State game, he didn't look fully healthy. He, you know, Auburn, you go into the Georgia game, he doesn't look fully healthy. He doesn't look like the same Tua that we had seen all season. And so if he holds on the ball a little bit long, doesn't have the same mobility, all this stuff, I I think, you know, it, it could completely change the entire dynamic yeah. of the college football season. I mean, that that's – and what does the committee do if they – let's say Tua doesn't play against mm-hmm. LSU. And, the, and, and, and they lose to LSU, but then he comes back and they beat Auburn – and they're eleven and one, and the committee has to look at a team with a healthy Tua, and their only loss is to a great team that didn't when they didn't have Tua. How much does the committee take that into account? And I think they should the Kenyon Martin thing. I mean, it's it's a it's a fa- it is it is one of the more fascinating developments in the entire college football season. And it sucks that w- that we're not going to see Tua at full strength the full, for the full year. But man, does it make it more interesting. Coming up next, a mea culpa for Mister Mason for smashing Missouri. Back after this. Well, first of all, you know, honor to God. You know, it's been, a, it's been a rough patch, man, but I told my team this, and I want everybody to understand this, okay? A lot of people want this job, so they think, but I'm the man that's built for this job. Every day, man, we grind. We grind. Don't question us. Don't question who we are, what we do, or how we play. We're Vanderbilt men. Commodore's anchoring. Dad! <laughs> Derek Mason. <laughs> That's our Derek Mason. Fired up. Both of them. Oh, man. I, you got to love it. I got to give him a culpa. Uh, I, I, you know, look, I can admit what I'm wrong. And Derek Mason may very well end up getting fired at the end of this year by Malcolm Turner. But last Tuesday on this show, because we didn't get to the Vandy and the college stuff until mm-hmm. Tuesday of last week because of the Titans debacle on Sunday. And we were all tightened up on Monday. But Tuesday I said, it's over for Derek Mason. you got to make a change. He needs to be fired at the end of the year. And he took the questions, and we all peppered him on Wednesday in his weekly mm-hmm. appearance. Handled it with class. 
And you know what? They went out there as a three-touchdown home underdog, and they, they kicked Missouri's butt. For, for those that don't speak Latin, that is a, an acknowledgment of one's error or fault. I'm exactly. Let me a culpa, just to make sure uh, all of our publicly educated humans understand that. Um, listen, I, Derek Mason deserves to do that, frankly. I mean, that, that is a very good Missouri team that, that they defensively actually did a very good job on. I, I thought the most interesting thing to come out of all that, for, like congrats on the win, the win's huge, all, all that. The most interesting thing to come out of that comment and that um, interview, and then I think he repeated it again in the post game, was this odd sort of, you know, not everybody wants this job kind of comment. He said and, everybody wants it, but I'm the man built for it. Well, there, there was he explained it a uh-huh. little further in the post game, and it went towards the not many people like the way I took yeah, it was okay. not many people really want or could do this job well. And the bottom line is no one really has done that job yeah, well right. outside of James Franklin. So it, it, it there was there was some to me those comments came from a deeply rooted place of this is an impossible place to win mm-hmm. and they have not given me the support I need. I am putting words in his mouth. He did not say that out loud, but that is what I heard. I don't know about you guys, but that sounded like you know, I haven't gotten the support I need. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten the resources and, and financial support that I'm, I want. You know, everyone's dogging me right now. I'm facing a new athletic director and challenges with the job. My team's not playing well. Like, I'm hearing a coach say, nobody wants this job, but I do because I want to be here and I want this job. And I'm willing to deal with the BS that comes along with being the coach here because I like it and I want to build the program in, in this sort of really positive, community-driven way. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into a couple of emotional comments from the head coach. No, I, but that's I, what I that's what I heard. I don't think you are. I, I think it's just built up frustration. You know, um, you have a program that you know. Frankly, I think if they would just help him more, they can win more. And I'm not saying they're going to win nine, ten games a year. Go to you know, go to the championship game. I'm not saying that the SEC champ. What I'm saying is, if you help him, he can get more victories. Um, um, from his team, I think a lot of that came from just frustration. You frustrated with your quarterback. You thought you were bringing in a guy that could, you know, pick up uh, where Shermer left off. A guy that pl- has played a lot of football. A veteran guy. You thought he would come in and be able to get the job. And frankly, he's been the problem. Uh, up until up until um, Saturday, he's basically been the problem. For well, this team. And, and the reality and the is defense, too, yeah. you you go to your third string quarterback on Saturday and Mo Hassan, who looked, you know, he was serviceable. Mm-hmm. You gave Keyshawn Vaughn the ball over thirty times. He had over thirty touches. I think thirty three combined rushing and receiving uh, touches. And I, I've been critical of Tarver. Missouri's been scoring points since that Wyoming loss. Yep. They held they held Missouri to fourteen points. Well, and they, and they scored like forty something in the Missouri in the in the Wyoming loss. Their, their mm-hmm. offense has been clicking, and for Vanderbilt's defense to do that, uh, yeah. give them a lot of credit. They they deserve a lot of credit. Jason Tarver and Derek Mason they they did the job. Now, does it mean it saves the season? Does it mean it saves his job? Does it mean that all of a sudden they're going to start winning a bunch of games and they're going to beat Tennessee again? Like I, you know, that all remains to be seen. But in the moment, you had a right to celebrate. And you celebrated, and a lot of people want this job, so they think. Yeah, it's the quote I mean, again. That's it, like saying it, to people, "Y'all don't know how tough yeah, this is." It, 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 you know, it, it, it screams, "This is 
probably the toughest job in the SEC. It's not probably. Yeah. It's 100% the toughest exactly, job in the SEC. Exactly, because we're not getting we're not getting the support from nobody, from the fans, from 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 faculty, nobody. Not even Nick Kale. It's, yeah, not even Nick Kale. He didn't <laughs> jump off the bandwagon. He's off the ship and swimming somewhere else. Um and, and but what I do, this is the thing. He's in a that, Kyle Schirmer life raft. Exactly. He was like, I'm go- Kyle Schirmer gone. I'm going to. I'm floating around in Kyle's dinghy. I just have a ocean. volleyball and his name is Wilson. <laughs> his name is Schirmer. Schirmer. <laughs> but he, here's the thing it, with, with you know, this whole Mason thing and, and this program, and, and in, in regards to us now, I think what we do a good job at and, and why he – it seems like when he's talking with us, you know, he don't mind. Hey, he knows what he's going to get, and he answers the questions, and, and we keep it moving. Because he told what, us his wife criticized yeah. this football team. Because what we don't do is we don't broadbeat him. We just yeah. – we tell it, you know, how we see it and things that I know he sees, that we know he sees. And how can you get better, Coach? What can you do to get better? And then once the interview is over – We'll talk about it more, but we don't brawl beat it. We don't just don't beat it down. Because yeah. I understand. I think we've been here long enough that we understand that is a difficult place yeah. to win it. I could see if he was at Alabama or Pruitt at UT and you're not winning. Then we're like, hey, something you right. need. But he's not there. Right. He's at a different place. And it's hard. I mean, extremely hard. There's only, you know. Amongst all sports, it's hard to win there. Yeah. The only person that is doing doing it consistently is Corbin. That's the only person, and that's because he and has the women's, his, and the women's, and the bowling women's team. yeah, bowling and the bowling team, team yeah. <laughs> but he's very got good, it. Very good he's got, he has his own little world, and he's doing what he does, and he does it better than anybody in the country. But when you're talking football, it's just they don't they don't get the help yeah. that they need, and, and he's frustrated, and that win. All of it just came out. He probably was upset with us because we did question him well, last and, and week, and he's upset with everybody else. That's what I was going to say. Is it's, it's not like he, he understands that that Nick, but for, for example, that you have to ask the tough question right out of the gate. Hey, coach, your product was sort of unwatchable last mm-hmm. weekend. How are you going to solve that? Like, he, he, I think there's a respect. It's not personal with us, clearly, because we all love the guy personally. Exactly. Uh, again, he's the only SEC coach in in the league that I would trust my, to babysit my children. Like, I would not. <laughs> I would trust Nick. That's because I know him a little bit. Yeah, man, that's true. You know. That's, that's, but, what if you came home, what if, but what if you came home from date night and he's yelling anchor down at your kids? <laughs> I, you know what? In the living room. You know what? Those, While Mickey Mouse is on. After spending the last 48 hours consecutively <laughs> with my two children, they need a little coaching right now, okay? All right? You wouldn't they let Coach O watch your, your kids? Down. Come on, Brady. I am cool. You wouldn't who? Coach O, you wouldn't let Coach O watch your kids? <laughs> I don't they know. Come what, back what, talking funny. Yeah, what would happen? <laughs> my daughter already is working on her speech exactly. patterns right now. She's, he would mess everything up. <laughs> but you know, hey, daddy, I want to watch more. more on a, <laughs> like, what did you just say, baby? <laughs> she's like, she's like, dad, daddy, I want an Elsa braid. Daddy, give me that. I need it. Oh no, an Elsa braid. No, 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 no. Yo, 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 Olaf. Yo, 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 yo. I was like, huh? What did you say, baby? <laughs> my God, now we got to reteach his baby English. Well, uh, Incredibles, one, two, or three. Which one do you want? <laughs> Moana, go Tigers! <laughs> oh man! Uh, no, uh-huh. listen. We the point is, is we all personally root for Derek. When we ask him tough, tough questions, he knows it's not personal, uh-huh. and he knows that. But, but you bet that we're not the only ones asking those questions. Exactly. We're not the only ones that are sort of, you know, that there's pressure on him. He he understands. Listen, he's making millions of dollars to coach a sport. Okay, mm-hmm. like let, let's 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 also keep some perspective here. Um, so he understands, and you could tell. With that sort of emotional release after a win, that you can tell it's it's affecting him, 
Um, and th- what what matters is is it affecting you in a way that creates productivity and and mm-hmm. and victory, or is it a, does it affect you where your team quits and you you know you walk away from the game and you get angry and you start yelling and the you know like no it, it led to a win right and so you've got to mm-hmm. give them credit for that and and they deserve the credit for that. Just like with Tannehill yesterday, it was good. Let's see it again. Let's see what it leads to. What What's the next thing on this? Because this is sports, and the one thing we know about sports is it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It's what have you done for me lately. So now you've got to figure out what you're going to do tomorrow. Um, so let's find out what Vanderbilt football looks like the, next, the rest of the way. If they can play defense like that, maybe they get a couple more wins, and maybe we feel differently about this team at the end of the year. And then we'll go from there. But um, he deserved to have a little bit of release. I fa- again, I find... I'm reading between the lines on this, and I'm hearing Derek Mason say, "None of y'all want this stinking job, so let me let me continue to battle." Is what I is what I'm hearing, because everyone thinks they want the job, but they don't. <laughs> you think, as Jim Mora once said, you, want it. "You think you know, but you don't, and you never will." Mm. All right, right now your is that chance. A no, that was Jim Mora. <laughs> oh, Jim Mora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the Colts coach? Yeah, yeah. I know when he I blew know up. Jim, I know who Jim Mora is. Yeah. I thought you said Jim Moore. Playoffs. Who, isn't there a wrestler Jim Moore? No. Who? No, it's Jim Ross, probably. You're, Jim what's Ross. Your He's not a but yeah, Jim Ross. We'll Jim get Jim Ross. Ross on the show again My soon bad. too. Right now, your Boomer chance, Sooner. your chance to win a pair of tickets. By the way, Boomer Sooner, it fell out there. Dude, that yeah. was the funniest. We need to talk thing. about that later too. I, that's the funniest thing I've seen all weekend. Over. <laughs> I'm glad nobody was hurt. It's there. <laughs> Gus Johnson's like, boy, that was scary. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen hurts. Oklahoma rolling. Partner, Joe Clatt. Norman, Oklahoma. He does kind of speak in like, he just like yells <laughs> words at you. <laughs> C.D. Lamb. Had a lamb. lamb chop last night, partner. <laughs> <laughs> they know how to cook meat down here in the Big 12. Ha <laughs> ha. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Nashville SC at First Tennessee Park for the first round of the USL playoffs is this Saturday. Right now, if you want tickets, be caller 5-615-737-1025. Back after this on Morning Drive. Listen, you don't have to be caller 5 if you're going to call Cool Springs MD. You could be caller number 1. Or, heck, you could be caller number 21 and still get in and see the good folks uh, at Cool Springs MD. Because over the last year... I've been telling you, more men have seek help for hormone deficiencies than imbalances. Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife Daphne, along with that experienced staff, give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. Cool Springs MD services have already helped many men at the Brentwood, Nashville, Franklin, which I live in, and the surrounding areas in Tennessee with the mu- improving their immune systems, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> energy levels, cognitive functions, and more. And the, you got to understand, when I walk in in the morning, I'm on, I'm on high. My energy level is 100. And you know why? Because I went to see my good friends over at Cool Springs, Indy. I've told you this story forever, man. I felt lethargic. I felt tired. Um, you know, it just felt like my body was worn down. I didn't know whether it was because I was working out a lot or just getting older. And you know what I did? I went to Cool Springs MD, talked with Dr. Jeffrey Lodge, got some con- uh, he consulted me with a few things and then he gave me the necessary things that I needed to boost my energy levels. And he can do the same with you. That experienced staff can do the same with you. They are there to connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. And, man, we need a healthier lifestyle because when we are healthy as men, everyone else feeds off of that. And there's no better time now to achieve a healthier lifestyle. Men, what are you waiting for? 
Give Cool Springs MD a call today. Make that appointment. Pull out your smartphones. Pull out your pencil, your pen, whatever it is you have next to you. Pull over if you're driving because you're going to need this number because I guarantee you, not too many things are guaranteed in this world, but I guarantee you that this will make your life different. Here's the number, 615-486-3458, 615-486-3458, or visit the website, because mama going to be happy if you visit this website, coolspringsmd.com. That is how it sounded on Saturday as the Nashville Predators drop a home one to the Florida Panthers. Welcome back into Morning Drive ESPN 1025 the game. So the Predators lose. They are now four and four on the year. And I, I just wanted to like look into a trend because I woke up Sunday morning and I'm thinking, all right, you know, there's a lot going on Saturday night with college football and the Predators lose again on Saturday. And I'm thinking, do the Predators ever win a game on Saturday? It feels like they always lose on Saturday. So I went back and I looked. They're 0-3 this season. Uh, on Saturday games, and if you go back, and I went and pulled up the schedule from last year. Oh God! Yeah, th- I mean, this is this is just how pathetic my life is. I went all the way back to January nineteenth. Tito's while you were doing that? No, this was with my coffee oh, okay. Sunday morning mm. before I got no into Tito's NFL in the coffee. So, huh? so no so, Tito's in the coffee. So, no. So Pred split uh. stats is your idea of a good Sunday morning coffee? Yeah. Okay, cup of coffee, a little breakfast sandwich, and looking at. Like- Previous seasons. I don't even like college football split stats on on a Sunday morning. So the Predators going back to 2019 of January 19th. So last year, January 19th, 2019 through this past Saturday night are now 2-11 in their last 13 Saturday games. Mm. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a trend. I don't know if they're doing something wrong on Friday night that leads to a bad Saturday, but they just don't play well on Saturdays. You know the song, Boogie Night, dun, 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 Boogie Night. I mean, it's okay I think for they other... did that on Saturday night, but for the Preds, it's losing night, dun, it's... Dun, 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 losing night, dun, 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 dun. maybe they should stop playing on Saturdays. No, this is stunning analysis. I think you both should continue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, other teams come to Nashville and get the Broadway flu. Nashville is not supposed to get the Broadway flu on Nashville mm-hmm. or on 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 Friday nights. He, I don't care about the week of night week of the night. I know it's a funny stat and an inter- interesting one maybe to note and maybe to keep track of moving forward. Um, but what, all I care about is, is you got you got to stop going down by two goals. Mm-hmm. You, you got to stop losing the first and second period. You got to stop being down by two goals in the third period because you, you're not going to survive that way. They they fight back hard against was it the Kings a couple of weekends ago that they fought back and and made it a four four game and then mm-hmm. gave up a goal with a minute to go. Then they fought back down by two to tie it up. They were trailing the Red Wings, trailing the Wild. Tra- they've trailed in almost every game it feels like, other than I think the San Jose game, and and the, and they they've trailed in every game early. And and you're just we we've talked about it already. They are good enough, and it's a good trait to have the resiliency to fight back and to get yourself back tied up and be in a game like that. That is a good characteristic and trait to have. To callous that that part of your game is a good thing to have when you go into the postseason. But you cannot survive an 82 game season trailing two two by two goals all the time. So they they have to solve that problem. Pekka can't stop everything, um, and he played pretty well. But again, they they fight back. They tied up at two. Kyle Turris's goal, by the way, holy smokes. He splits two defenders, you know, just skates right around him, goes and just goes top shelf, short side. Playing on the second line. A spectacular goal from Kyle Turris to tie the game at two. And then you give it right back mm-hmm. a couple minutes later. And, and, and it's, again, it's not Pekka's fault. It's the defense's fault. So they, they've got to stop being down. You, you can't play behind two goals the entire season. It's not they, they are the Kansas City Chiefs of the National Hockey League. 
They can score with anyone or better than anyone. Well, they are the number one scoring team in hockey still, I believe, even after only scoring two goals. Um, But, you know, they do give up goals as well. And they got to fight back. And, you know, it eventually that wears on the team when you got to put together so much energy to to fight back and, and, and then tie it up and then ultimately, you know, either in some cases win or in the case Saturday lose. Um, so they're going to have to get that fixed. Um, and we, we sort of knew this was going to be a byproduct of, you know, losing certain guys. And, yeah, you bolstered your offense, but at what expense? Um, and, you know, moving forward, you can't have any injuries uh, because if you're playing, you know, subpar defense now, if you get injuries toward the end of the season, it's going to really, you know, it's going to put a lot more pressure on those guys to score goals. 615-737-1025 is the number. You can always tweet the show. Follow us on Twitter at 1025 underscore MD. We will kick off hour number three with our buddy Wes Rucker from Go Vols 24-7 next. We'll get into the Alabama-Tennessee game with him and also some of the officiating, not just in the Bama-Tennessee game, but also that Florida-South Carolina game. I think there was a lot of bad officiating in well, the conference this weekend. Penn State-Michigan. A lot of bad penalties yep. or not calls, pass interference on both sides mm-hmm. that, that, that led to Penn State winning that game. And we're typically not a show that really harps on refs, but no. boy, it was it was a rough Saturday. Yeah, it it, it was, and so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit here, but you know, there's about four pass interference penalties in the Michigan-Penn State game that probably all went Penn State's way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Michigan still has a t- chance to win the game and drops the ball in the end zone. Yep. Man. Tough one for Michigan. All right, Wes Rucker, Go Vols 24-7 coming up next, and then we will get back to the Titans here on Morning Drive.